Shalom and welcome. Today we're going to talk about a topic that I think all of us are very much in need of. Whatever walk of life we have, whatever we're involved with in life, there are always obstacles and challenges. Sometimes we need a little bit of inspiration. We need a lift. We need somebody to come along and give us a message. Maybe it'll be a word, maybe a saying, maybe a story, but something that's going to touch our heart and touch our mind in a way that we're going to feel that our life has been touched and elevated. We have with us somebody very, very special today who I'm sure you're going to enjoy spending some time with for the next half hour. So please sit back, enjoy, and we're going to meet and talk with Mrs. Sarah Carmelli. Mrs. Carmelli, it's a pleasure to have you with us on our show. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I know that you travel literally around the globe, and I know in the Chabad circles that you're very much sought after as a speaker, an inspirational speaker, to really lift the hearts and minds of many, many people. Can you tell us a little bit of what it means to be an inspirational speaker? I try very much just to be myself when I speak, just to share things with people that I've gone through in life, and specifically things that the Rebbe, the Lubavitch Rebbe, taught me over the many years. I was in contact with him. I had the merit to be very close with him for 15 years. And I was actually witness to many amazing things, miracles, you want to call them, that I witnessed that took effect with the people I would take to him, including my own life. I really believe that all of us, every single person in this world, we're all compared to people with heavy backpacks on our, on our shoulders. Right. Going up this steep hill of life, Everybody has some backpack with some problems, and it's like, it's very heavy. So when you're going up the steep hill of life, what do we do? Do we just rest on our laurels and say, well, I'm fine the way I am, or do you have to keep growing? You cannot stand in one place when you're going up a steep hill with a heavy backpack, because you're going to go down. So you have to keep going, and you have to keep growing. We're nearly at the top right now, but Sheikh is almost here. We have to just understand that it's more difficult when you're nearly at the top, we just have to hold on and just keep growing and have faith that really every effort we make is not wasted. Mm-hmm. We learn from the Torah that every effort we make is counted. We learn, for example, Batya, the daughter of Pharaoh, was by the Nile. Some people they say she was converting to Judaism because she was immersing her body in the mikvah, into the Nile River. And she sees a basket floating in the water in the Nile. In the basket, of course, is baby Moses. She sends her handmaiden to retrieve this basket. Her handmaiden cannot reach the basket. Her arm is too short. Rashi, one of the major commentators, says that a miracle happens. This handmaiden's arm grows longer in order to reach the basket. Mm -hmm. The Kotzka Rebbe teaches from this an amazing message. We have to reach out and God will do the rest. We're not allowed to say, I'm not even going to try. You have to reach out and try. No, you, you said one thing also, though, that I think is very admirable. And that is that people think of an inspirational speaker. They think, think of somebody who has to get up there and have this charismatic talk and go into this whole thing that's going to rile people up. But when you just share who you are and you just give over and have yeah. that gift, let's say, of being able to open up your heart so that other people can, can be touched by it, it's like the saying from the Talmud, that when a person is able to bring words out of their heart, then those words automatically enter right into the heart. Yes. When people tell me, oh, you're such a good speaker, I say, thank you, but that's not my goal. I want to be able to reach pe- people and touch people the same way that I was reached and touched by the many people who helped me. Interesting. Well, when you go out and you try to touch people's hearts, right. it's not just, I'm sure, just to give them a, 
a 15-minute talk, a 60-minute talk, a story, something nice, a little yes. bit of a shot in the arm. It's to elevate them, to give them a new modus operandi, a new, new right. way of looking at life. What is your goal? What are you trying to right. accomplish when you go out to touch those hearts? I'm trying to give people the message that not to give up on themselves, not to feel, well, it's already too late for me. I'll never be good. All those things I've done, all the baggage I have, how can I make myself a different person? We don't make ourselves a different person. We have to understand there's a saying that a tzaddik, a holy person who's never sinned all his life, cannot be on the same level as a person who's been there, done that, and decides to come back. We know that their level is much higher. Why? Because somebody who's lived in a little shtetl in Yerushalayim or wherever and has never tasted sin, never tasted anything negative, are they on a higher level or somebody who's as I said, been there, done that, and they decide they want to come back and grow one step at a time. That person is on a high level. There's a beautiful phrase. There's a beautiful parable. Mm -hmm. They say there's a, a ladder with 613 rungs because there's 613 mitzvot. There's someone on the rung number two and someone on rung number 611. Which one is in a high level? Depends what direction they're going. If the one who's all the way up there is coming down, they're not on the same level as the person who's right. down there going up. We have to keep going and growing. We also learn from the Sefer Tanya, which is a very mystical book written by the first Lubavitcher Rebbe. We learn which is that we have many qu qu classes in the Tanya here on Long Island, which wow. people are welcome to participate that's, in. That's amazing. We learn that every Jew is connected to God by a rope, an unseen rope, actually called ropes of love. And these ropes have 613 strands. If somebody does a sin, I'm sure nobody does, I'm talking about me, let's say when I do a sin, God forbid, I could disconnect one of those strands of the rope. Eventually, the whole rope could be disconnected. How can I be disconnected from my maker? We all do tshuva. We all return to Hashem. So when we, we return to Hashem, the rope gets connected by a knot. Two things happen here when you have a knot in a rope. The rope becomes stronger because it's a double thickness. And what else happens? The rope becomes shorter, so you become closer to Hashem. Mm -hmm. So that's the message I'm trying to give to people. There is hope. Just try. Go one step at a time. When all the world seems hopeless, don't give up. Well, There's good things ahead. Tell me, a person who has doubts in their belief in God, yes. who struggles with events in their life, whether it be health yes. or economic or things in their family, a person who constantly seems to be challenged or just faces one challenge, how do you help that person strengthen that faith? How do you inspire them to really feel, listen, God is there. God is there in your pain. God is in there even in the, the negative things that are happening to you in your life. And there's purpose in those events in your life. I like to compare it to telling somebody, you know, you're God's child. When a, people have, when, when a person has a child, and we all know as a parent, or even if we don't have a child, we know connection to our parents. The connection is there. No matter what it is, no matter how far, how distant we go, we know that a child is connected to the parent. God is our father. We are his child. How are we supposed to ask Hashem for our needs? It's actually written in the Sefer Tanya. How can we ask God for our needs? I mean, how dare we tell God, give me sustenance, give me peace, give me children, give me health. How can we have the chutzpah to ask such a thing? We ask him by saying, I'm your child, you're my father. Please give me such a thing. Mm -hmm. Specifically with, when, you, with, when it's with tears, because we know the gates of tears are never closed. Now, if the gates of tears are never closed, why have gates? Just don't have gates. We know that gates of tears are never closed when you cry for things you really need and you really want spiritual guidance, health, etc. Then they're never closed. Mm -hmm. But when we ask God, we cry to God for something like maybe a few fur coats and a few diamond rings, 
maybe we don't need them so much. So that's when the gates are closed. Mm-hmm. So we have to understand that, that we are God's children and he's our father. Right. And if, even if we get to a situation where things might seem to be very black, you should always remember to stay connected to that point of, uh, of that what we call the pintaliyah, that spark from right, within right. that keeps us connected and can hopefully make it through even the darkest right. of clouds. Right. So, now, I'm sorry. Sometimes we yes. ask, how can it be that God has to answer my desires? Who am I to ask? We can ask because we know the same way that we have to give tzedakah, we have to give charity. God has to do the same way. So the way I tell people you can ask God for your needs is by saying, please give me, etc., etc., as a divine tzedakah, as a divine charity, because we cannot ever refuse somebody who comes to us for charity. The same way God cannot refuse us if we ask him in this way. Mm-hmm. Now, I read or I often read your articles in the Chabad newsletter about your travels around the world and about your various experiences and about the stories that you tell concerning inspiration and not only how you are inspired but how you share that inspiration with others. Yes. Can you share us, with us a couple of those stories because they really do touch a special right. pace in our hearts. Of course. I travel often to the Far East. I go to Thailand, for example, with my husband. Well, for myself also, obviously, I go for business and pleasure. There's an amazing story that I was told when I went there by somebody whose reputation is impeccable. She doesn't exaggerate. She's it's a wonderful person. Her name is Ronit. She's Israeli. She told me the following. She said that she had to go to the mikveh every month. And you know, in Thailand, in those days, had no mikveh. The Rebbe, with his insight, actually instructed people years ago to build a mikveh in Thailand. And they thought, for who? For what? Nowadays, Baruch Hashem, there's a mikveh even in Thailand. But this lady was telling me the story, how she needed to go into the sea. Because obviously, when there's no mikveh, you can go into a sea because it's a whole body of water. She told me that every month she would prepare herself at home, drive down from the main city of Bangkok, drive down to Pattaya, which is the nearest seaside village, and her husband would take these jet skis and go out into the sea, and she would immerse herself inside the sea, get back onto the motor scooter, and they would come back home. She said that we'll do that every month regularly. So one particular month, she went as usual, she prepared herself at home, she drove down with her husband for two hours. They, went to, they got to the seaside. They took the jet ski out. She immersed herself in the water. When she gets back onto the motor ski, to the jet ski, her husband turns the engine on. Nothing happens. Oh my he tries gosh. again. Nothing happens. He tried several more times, and he realized the engine is dead. She said, we didn't realize the danger we were in because we thought we'd just swim back. But, you know, they realized they could not do it because in the Andaman Sea, the waves are very strong and the current was so strong it was, it was driving them further away from the, from the shore. She said, Sarah, I didn't realize at that moment what danger we're in until we realized that, that there's a big craggy rock formation in the sea and we're going to be driven into it and smashed to pieces. She says, all I could think about at that moment was my mother's face when they would tell her how her daughter was smashed to pieces. She says, at that moment, me and my husband screamed out together to God God don't do this to us don't let people say we got killed doing your mitzvah because we're doing this because it's a mitzvah to go into the sea she said and she's not exaggerating she says when we both started screaming to God at that moment out of the blue these waves suddenly came and took us back to the coast she says that month I conceived my son after two years of trying to have a baby we couldn't have a baby really I conceived my son she called him Doran which means a gift so that's really a story that Hashem is listening we have to scream out sometimes but he's right there I know so often people just feel 
I have no reason to scream out or I, I'm embarrassed to scream out or what does God care about it? And the message is really to go out there and, and say what has us. to be said. He wants to hear that we're right here. Tell us some more stories. Do you have any others? Yes, I have more beautiful stories. We have time for it. There's a lady, I, I don't know if I should say her name. I'll call her Bracha because she really, to me, she's a Bracha. This lady, a very accomplished lawyer, her husband is a professional. Both of them had everything in life except for children. They were married for over 13 years. Wealth, health, everything, but no children. Pregnant, no problem. She got pregnant seven times. Lower Lena, we shouldn't know from it, she miscarried seven times. The doctors told her, forget about it, you'll never have a child. Just, con- just adopt. Mm-hmm. Somebody came along and told her, why don't you go to the Lubavitcher Rebbe for a bracha, for dollars. In those days, the Rebbe was giving dollars. For blessings. For blessing. So she decides she's going to go. What harm can it do? So she goes online, and when it comes to her turn to come and see the Lubavitcher Rebbe, she tells him, Rebbe, I want a bracha for children. The Rebbe looks at her and tells her, go and learn about the laws of Tarata Mishpacha, of mikveh, family purity. And she gets pushed by. As she goes by the Rebbe, another rabbi who was standing nearby, Rabbi Baumgarten, actually stepped forward and told her, I overheard what the Rebbe told you. I'd like to give you somebody's name and number who has a bracha to teach this. And he gives her my name, my phone number. She goes out of 770. She meets her husband on the sidewalk. Do you think she was happy? She was angry, she was hurt, and she was disappointed because she was keeping mikvah. And she was very hurt. She says, what is this? She expected the Rebbe to tell her abracadabra, some mystical formula. She didn't expect such a simple thing. She didn't call me. Of course, we know Chabad never gives up. In the end, I end up calling her. We sat together. And we're talking, and she was crying. She says, why did the Rebbe tell me such a thing? I keep mikvah. Well, I noticed there was a few things that weren't right. Like she had very long nails, and I, we discussed certain aspects, and I realized, as I do many times, that she really was not keeping the laws correctly, not 100% like you're supposed to. I told her, why don't we just sort of learn the laws? Such a simple thing to do. Let's learn the laws again. Mm-hmm. If he'll tell you to do something more difficult, you'll certainly do this. Why don't we learn the laws? So we sat, and... And it happened, as she told me, that she was not keeping the things properly. And I said, let's decide this month you're going to keep everything the way you're supposed to. The nails have to go. She says, no, but I'm allowed to go with my nails. I said, you're doing all these Chinese tortures to have a child. This is certainly pain-free. So she says, okay, I'll do it. But you have to take me to the mikvah next month. I said, that's a deal. During the month, she kept calling me, telling me I'm keeping everything and asking me questions. Finally, time came that she had to go to the mikvah. It was Saturday night. My husband was not thrilled that I had to leave him and go, but a promise is a promise. I went to pick her up. She got into the car glowing like a, like a baby. She said, look, no nails. I took her to the mikvah in Crown Heights. She lived five minutes away from the mikvah in Queens, but I wanted to take her to the Rebbe's mikvah. Mm-hmm. And they gave her the, the bridal room, bridal suite. She said, I feel like I'm a new bride. This is a true story. Nine months later, we all went to the Brit Mila, to the circumcision of her son. The doctors could not understand why this time was different. She did nothing different this time, apparently. Amazing. She said, she said her doctors were crying, and said, we don't know why this time is different. Just to add to this, her mother-in-law, when I went to the circumcision with Rabbi Baumgarten, she says, you know, I introduced myself. She says, you know, I never met the Rebbe, but I had a dream. In my dream, he was looking at me with his piercing eyes, and I got nervous, but then I calmed down. And I woke up to the sound of the phone ringing. 
it was Barbara telling me, I'm going to have the baby, I'm so scared. And I told her, don't worry, somebody's taking care of you. As a PS, she ended up having another child. Really? Sometimes I meet her in the shopping, when I'm shopping, and she turns around to me, she says, look, no nails. And she doesn't know why people, why we laugh. That's just one of the stories. There's plenty more. That's beautiful. So you've been, you've seen many of these miracles Miraculous. that happened with the Rebbe's blessings yes. and the Rebbe's advice to people. Yes. Now, skeptics might say, well, it's a coincidence, or how could this be? But explain to us, what is a miracle? What do we mean when we say that these things are miracles? It doesn't mean that the, the sea was split. Yes. It means that a tzaddik, a, a righteous person like the Rebbe, a leader of our generation, can give advice and be able to guide people in a way that is totally different than what advice from yourself or myself might mean. What does that mean? Because we have finite knowledge. Because we're here today, gone tomorrow, and, you know, it's modern, fashionable today to think this way. Maybe in 10 years from now, it's not. Like, we see over the years how ideas change, <coughs> theories changed. We know that Torah is infinite. Torah is God's blueprint. When you have a blueprint for a home, you have to keep exactly to it, otherwise you're not going to have a strong home. God gave us a blueprint, which is the Torah. If we keep accordingly, our home and our sustenance, and the world is stronger. So the Torah, so the Rebbe, a person connected to the Torah and to the yes. wisdom of the Torah, yes. sees reality on a completely Torah. different yes. viewpoint than what we do. And as a result, to the Rebbe, it's not a miracle. To the Rebbe, it's just... This is perfectly natural. Yes. You have to learn the laws and you have to go and do it properly. And then the automatic reaction will be that there will be a physical effect from your spiritual endeavors. Exactly. And to us, it looks like some absolutely incredible supernatural event. To right. the Rebbe, like we think, how can mikvah affect a woman who wants to have a child? How can going to the mikvah properly affect shalom bayit, marital harmony right. in a home? But it certainly does. And I witness to it that marriages who I was kind of hoping that they're just going to end it already and be out of their misery... The Rebbe said, no, tell them to keep mikvah. And they did. And the whole marriage, just totally in front of my eyes, went through total transformation. Incredible. I have another story if I can share with you. Please. The power of a woman's tears. We learn, Rambam, Maimonides teaches, that a man is obligated to honor his wife more than himself and love her as himself. He also teaches that a woman has to make her husband into her king. And then she'll be the queen. So it's reciprocal. But there's a beautiful story about what happened about the Maggid of Meserich, who was a holy tzaddik in his time. He was very, very poor. Physically, he was poor. Mm -hmm. His wife had to go to the mikvah. She, went to the, she wanted to go to the mikvah, and they told her, two rubles, please, two dollars. She says, I don't have the money. Can I go in without the money? They told her, no. No money, no mikvah. They refused. She pleaded and begged nothing. So she turns around to go home regretfully. On her way home, she couldn't help it. She starts to cry because she wants to keep this mitzvah. All of a sudden, through her tears, she sees this very, very elegant carriage approaching. The carriage stops, the door opens, and she sees inside four very aristocratic, beautiful women. They ask her, where are you going? Can we give you a ride? She says, no, thank you. They said, no, tell us where you're going. I'll, we'll take you. We're going to the mikvah. She says, oh, I'm also going to the mikvah, but you know, I cannot go because I don't have the money to pay. No problem, they said. Here's the money. Jump in. We'll take you. She was overjoyed. She gets into the carriage, and they take her to the mikvah. She pays the mikvah lady, and she goes to the mikvah. As she emerges, as she goes to, out, she tells the mikvah lady, where are those four wonderful ladies who brought me here? I'd like to go and thank them. The mikvah lady says, excuse me? Which ladies are you referring to? There's no ladies here. She says, those ladies who 
There's no ladies. Okay, She's, she goes home. As she walks through the door, before she could say a word, her husband tells her, my beloved wife, you should know a Jewish woman's tears are very powerful. Do you know who those ladies were? Those ladies were Sarah, Rivka, Rachel, and Leah. You brought them down with the power of your tears. And we know, we know, that our mothers are not far from us. Our fathers are not far from us. The Jewish woman is compared to Barzel, which means iron. Iron in Hebrew, how is it spelt? Barzel is spelt Bet, Resh, Zayn, Lamed. This is an acronym for who? Bet stands for Bilha. Resh stands for Racha. Zayn stands for Zilpa. Lamed stands for Leah. These four women were the wives of Jacob. Jacob's what name was also Israel. We are called the children of Israel. And our mothers are these four women. And we, as they are, we are strong. We have to understand that we have to make a difference with our own homes. Like this way, we make a difference in the whole world. Mm -hmm. So your message to women when you go around and you speak is to inspire women to really discover their, their inner power, their yes. inner potential, yes. and to try to develop that potential yes. as best as they possibly can. Yes. Do you give them specific tips, or do you just try to inspire them through uh, your those stories? Those are hidden tips for another time when we're alone. <laughs> Obviously, the tips for women, we know that every woman doesn't need tips, because in her heart, in her soul, God gave her something called bina yetera, which means an extra measure of understanding. You teach bina, what it means what? It's chokhm bina and dat, which is the acronym for Chabad. Woman is blessed with a sixth sense. It's okay to trust that. That sixth sense is telling you when not to say anything as well as when to say it. We have to trust that. How do we know we have that sixth sense? When Eve was created, when woman was created, Hava was created, it's written, Vayeven Hava. And Rashi teaches from this that a woman is created with a sixth sense to trust that, to go along with that, mm -hmm. and to feel confident that she is the mainstay of the home. You feel most women are out of touch with that? Yes, I do. I feel that most women nowadays don't trust the instinct so much. To listen to the inner voice, of course, going in the right way, obviously. So you try to teach them the tools of how to trust that voice, or it really yes. doesn't take anything in terms of tools? It's just a very natural process you, that they to, just to have to let that, happen. To hear that voice, because the outside world is bombarding us with so many things about many issues, about intimacy, for example. Teaches this outside world tells you that intimacy is dirty, or it's necessary, or... By us, we know. Intimacy is not dirty. It's called koach and sof, power without end. Every time a Jewish husband and wife are having relations, are being intimate, God is rejoicing over their heads. And the Sefer Tanya teaches that when a couple is being intimate, if they know Torah, don't know Torah, if they keep mitzvah, don't keep mitzvah, each and every time they're being intimate, they're actually creating a new soul in heaven. Therefore, we have to understand how important it is and a husband and wife are being intimate. How they're supposed to think and feel with respect as well as love. Well, that's a very, very different approach, of course, than what the world tells us. And it's very important because yes. this is part of creating the sanctity of the Jewish yes. home, the yes. sanctity of the Jewish family, yes. and really a sanctity within each and every single one of us yes. that we feel that connection to the <coughs> internal holiness that we have inherently. Yes. Tell me, also, I'm sure you come across many people who are not only looking for inspiration just to develop their potential or to grow in life, but also people who are hurting, people who have pain, people who are carrying around tremendous scars, yes. whether it be for any of a matter, many of a number of different situations. How do you try to inspire them also? Is it the same message or is there a little bit of a different type of message you would give them? Basically to let them know that there is hope out there, the door is never closed to you. 
depression and pain and suffering is basically known as the Yetzahara, which means the evil inclination. Depression is the opposite of godliness, is the opposite of holiness. Because really the truth is, what does the evil inclination want us to do? Not just to do the sin. He's trying to make us sin in order that we should feel depressed after that, in order to feel that we're worthless. Because once you feel depressed, you can, you're paralyzed. To keep bearing in mind that Rambam, that Maimonides teaches us, that when you wake up every morning, think of the whole world as a balance, as a scale, equal scale of good and not good. Don't say bad. And when I wake up in the morning, I have to really internalize the fact that when I do something good, it can be an act of kindness. Mm-hmm. I'm tilting not only my own life, but the whole world into good. That's a powerful that's a, message. That's a very powerful message. And it's a hopeful message that you have to realize that I can make a difference, and we do make a difference. Anything you feel to the contrary, any negativity, is just trying to stop us to paralyze to do that. Of course, a person should go to healers. There are I believe very much in natural healing. What do you mean to go to healers? Healers meaning there's homeopaths out there, there's naturopaths to actually heal your body and your soul together. Meaning, I'm not a believer in actual medication. There are homeopaths out there, Chinese medicines out there can really help. Absolutely try every single night to have a connection before you go to sleep with your maker to take time every minute to think, how did my day go? What did I accomplish today? And to know that tomorrow is a new day sounds mm-hmm. a big cliche, but it really is. It's a hopeful message. So it's really, never too late. what you're talking about is really creating a whole mindset in yes. an individual. And to always, it seems like the, the, the core of that mindset is hope. It's yes, hope and it faith is. in God and, yeah. and the, the feeling of having the ability to cultivate that connection. Yeah. And something that, that can take a person a moment with an experience, with an epiphany, or it can be something that really takes years and years of yeah. developing. I think basically in a nutshell to say, I'm not in control. God is in charge. It's That's like a, a very hard way. statement for a person to make, especially according to our society and right. our values where a person is trained to, right. Right. to feel we, they are in control. Right. We have to have hishtadut. We have to act. We cannot just stay in bed every day and just say, well, if I'm going to earn money, it's going to come to me. We have to understand we have to go, we have to do, we have to see. But at the end of the day, it's not up to me. It's up to God. He's in charge. Even the leaf falls off the tree. He's in charge. Once you can really absorb that and become humble, that's it, because it's written that God never despises a broken heart, a humble person. Depression is not being humble. Depression is basically saying, I'm arrogant because I believe that it's up to me. Once mm-hmm. you realize it's not up to me, it's off your shoulders. I'd like to share a very beautiful parable about Please. marriage in general and actually life in general. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a little boy reading the Siddur with his prayer book with his teacher. And he's reading Baruch Atah. He sees two Yuds. He doesn't know how to read it. His teacher tells him, this is Hashem, this is God. He comes to the end of the Bracha and he sees two Yuds on top of one another. He starts to say God. The teacher says, no, no, this is the end. He says, my Rabbi, how can this be? I'm confused. Who two Yuds is the end? Is, is God. He chooses the end. How can it be? His Rabbi teaches his says, when two Yuds are next to one another, you have God. If one is on top of another, it's the end. Meaning mm-hmm. a yud is a yid. Right. Husband and wife, when they're united side by side, you have God in your marriage. When one is dominant and obstinate, very nice. the end. Well, I want to wish on everybody a home full of bracha Thank and you good very things. much. Thank you for your inspiring words. Thank and I hope you. you'll continue to do your wonderful work and Amen. travel around the world. In the meantime, for everybody out there, listen to the message. The Torah has much to teach you in life. Shalom.